Hit it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. You're listening to Pod Me If You Can. This is Pod Me If You Can. Movie reviews by David and Lloyd. An Australian podcast on your favorite movies. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Welcome to Pod Me If You Can. I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. Today's film is Pitch Perfect 2, which is directed by Elizabeth Banks, who also stars in the film. I just wanted to give a heads up. We're going to be talking about the first and second Pitch Perfect now with spoilers in mind. So if you haven't seen the film or you don't mind being spoiled, just giving you a heads up. Lloyd, uh, you'd never seen the first one. I watched it at the movies and uh, it's a, the kind of experience that's probably best seen at the movies because I rewatched the first film and I kept thinking to myself... When are they going to start, you know, singing together and properly? And like, you know, it was very frustrating the second time around because I remembered the good mashups and, you know, how they became a better group. But it really only happens in the last 30 minutes of the film. So I found it quite frustrating second time around. Yeah, how was your yeah, first well, time around? I watched it at home, um, so I didn't have the crowd. Um, but watching the second one today with a pretty decent crowd it it definitely has a a quality watching a movie with an audience i know i tell this story over and over again but i saw dude where's my car in a packed cinema i think we were actually sitting in the aisles like one of those midnight sessions and the movie was the funniest thing i'd ever seen and when i came out of the movie theater like uh, months afterwards and rented it on vhs tape back then it was like the worst movie i'd seen i was like man i thought this movie was the best movie ever (laughs) you know it's like audiences have that power over you and i think pitch perfect um is a perfect one to see with the crowd all you know geared up and you know it's got the comedy element it's got the music that you're anticipating it's you know got uh, people that you're familiar with so yeah definitely well, look the first film had a budget of 17 million and it made 65 million at least that spawns a sequel pretty much it's a successful formula so from the first to the second they've copied the formula here Lord. yeah i'm not it's- surprised with the movie's success i think the appetite for a glee type movie or show is still there despite glee being finished because you have a generation of kids that have grown up with high school musical with hannah montana with glee with um uh american idol which by the way is finishing up uh for australia x factor so they're very familiar with musicals i'm probably the worst person in the world to be giving an opinion on this movie because i haven't seen too many musicals and i've actually never seen glee although the community episode on glee is amazing um you know (laughs) yeah i weirdly i saw um glee 3d the music concert or something that was released in theaters a couple of years oh, ago so they have made a movie on uh, with well glee. it's it's essentially it's very fanatical glee fans being interviewed about what they love about glee it's sort of their stage performance so it's in 3d but it's it's their stage show that's been filmed choreographed to be a movie so it's just their live performance basically which has been turned into a film this reminded me of bring it on um, do you remember when Bring It On came out? Everyone constantly uh, quoting Bring It On. I, I actually didn't mind Bring It On. One of my favorite lines from it was when they hired that dancer, the choreographer, sorry. Yeah. And he goes, cheerleaders are dancers gone retarded. <laughs> the spirit fingers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like they've got to learn their routines. They've got to, you know, come together. Uh, the first Pitch Perfect is very much about finding your voice. And they 
you know, really hit that over the head a couple of times. <laughs> and especially with the uh, Breakfast Club metaphor, Jesse, who uh, is the love interest for Anna Kendrick's character, Becca, in the first film, he uh, loves the Breakfast Club, you know? So that's a about a bunch of people that are different, that come together and form a club and find common ground over the course of being in detention together. And Pitch Perfect is about a bunch of people that are ethnically diverse, you know, have different skills and interests in acapella, and they come together and, you know, make good. Yeah, it's pretty much a sports movie. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. The massive vomit from the first film is replaced in the second film by the pants-splitting incident by Rebel Wilson. Uh, So the sort of public humiliation is there. And then the steps that follow, you know, it's a redemption story in both instances. And what I found frustrating was in the first one, you know, they win and they're champs and they're awesome and they're defending their title. Even though at the end you don't really get the whole trophy moment, it just cuts to, you know, uh, McLovin in the uh, audition room and they're like, uh, you know, defending champs get to choose the song and they're the defending champs. So that's fine. We know they won. What really frustrated me was they won the second time as well that it was identical in formula. You know, uh, in Bring It On, they had a very kind of, you earned our respect, see you next year. Same as Cool Runnings, if you will. They don't need to win to, you know, win their emotional journeys. What happened at the end of Bring It On? They didn't win the the cheerleading competition? No, I think they came second. And they were like, it's cool. And yeah, they were like, but, you know, they won the respect of the other team. I'm pretty sure that's the case. Mm-hmm. Well, in Rocky 1, spoilers for Rocky 1, he didn't actually win at the end. Doesn't need to. Yeah, he doesn't need to. The whole point was he he actually got a chance and gave the champion a good run for his money. Let me ask you. DSM, the Das Sound Machine German team. They were great. (laughs) You you thought they should have won, right? Yeah. And the difference in their final performances is that, you know, they have this polished a cappella perfection and... The Bellas had to do sentimental stuff, which is fine for the kind of movie it is. You know, that's going to tear at the heartstrings of the audience. And it was originality, I think, that they were going for something that really broke the conventions of whatever genre a cappella is. That's right. Be yourself and uh, be original and the rewards will be yours. But then they won. And it really got me questioning, like, the rules of this a cappella comp. You know, the German team have like a million members, right? I mean, there must be a cap on members, <laughs> at least. There must be like, you know, your acapella group must be between, you know, four and 12 people or something. You know, there must be limits. Then the Bellas are able to pull all the old Bellas back up on stage. But again, they, you know, have now a million members on stage. As well, are they allowed to do original songs? I don't know. Like that, yeah. that feels like maybe they were breaking the rules would have been better and they get disqualified, but they're like, at least we were original. That would have been better. And is this just the first team in years and years to be original? Is that the thing? Like, that frustrated me too. I had too many questions. Can you imagine the logistics of getting everybody to Copenhagen? I don't know how any of them can afford it because they're poor students and stuff. Would have been perfect for... um. Becca's dad from the first film to come back with a cameo and give her some money anyway but they're um, all in their 30s you know <laughs> yeah but they're still living in like a dorm and campus or you know uh what do you call it like a fraternity together 
and she's doing an internship. That's not money. That's <laughs> barely anything. But, oh, anyway. But then the logistics of bringing back all the old Bellas as well. Like getting all of them to Copenhagen just so they can do that one note behind them for like 10 seconds. What about giving every audience member a flashlight? Yeah, that too. That was also like logistically crazy that they all would get into it. So I don't know, it took me out of it a little bit. It was like nice to see that. But think about this. First at the beginning of the film, second film, Fat Amy splits her pants, it's comedic, the president's there. I don't know how they can use Obama's image anyway, but wouldn't you think they would just fire Fat Amy from the team? Yeah, just like, disbarred her, you know, just bar her from, yeah, competition. Competition, yeah. yeah. She's like an exchange student or something. Uh, she doesn't have American uh, citizenship. Just kind of close that loophole. Just get her off the team. You've, you know, finished the scandal and carry on. I don't know why everybody got punished. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It seemed like a crazy ruling to me. Uh, why? Yeah. Sorry. You go first. Uh, well, I was going to say, I, I do find all the actual singing in both these movies to be absolutely mesmerizing there's like this great dynamic in the first movie between the classic acapella that anna camp who plays aubrey uh, who tries so hard to hold on to it and then you have anna kendrick as we say it's a sports movie who plays bella uh becca sorry represents the new modern style of music i think that's what um makes this movie so appealing is that um, viewers who are familiar with these songs of the 90s and so forth um, get to see it burst into a glee-like moment and mixed and remixed, sort of like bringing back nostalgia, but at the same time, it, it's like renewing the song. Uh, Jason Moore, who directed uh, the first movie, I, he had to create like this really unbelievable world, and I, although I haven't seen Glee, I'm assuming it's much like this. Uh, it, it's an unbelievable school where the a cappella groups are like the masters or the popular kids of the school, and and once you accept the laws of the world, you can go with it. And some of the characters seem like really real, like Becca. Um, and then some seem so unreal, like Bumper and Fat Amy, like they're just so unbelievably cartoonish. And I found that interaction between both worlds really jarring. Like I just, uh, it took me a while to get it. Um, yeah. yeah. Bumper reminds me of Jack Black quite a lot. I feel like he has a good comedy career ahead of him. Is that Bumper? Yeah. Yeah, Bumper. Yeah, no, d- I can see that. Yeah, absolutely. What um, What got me was the girl who barely speaks up um i think the asian girl yeah i tried to look for a name as well i couldn't find (laughs) it might be lily i'm not sure yeah anyway she barely speaks up right that would be frustrating over the three years that they've spent together with her at this fraternity as well i mean that would be a real challenge for her schooling and not to mention like the fact that None of them go to any other classes. I've got a couple of friends that talk really quiet. They're lovely. Um, And it's so frustrating, as you say. It is absolutely frustrating, especially when you're at a a restaurant or something. And you go, so what do you reckon of this? You're like, oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I find her character really cartoony, like you were saying, that's jarring. Yeah. Every time uh, she has those little quiet lines where she sort of says, all my teeth belong to other people or something. (laughs) And that's, you know, for comedy, that's fine. But then she does things where she 
pops out of the water like Apocalypse Now mm. or she's hanging from the rope. And, and uh, cuts. what I hated about the first movie was that vomit scene. And I think that Anna Camp is extremely stunning. But the whole vomit part put me snow, put me off so much. And then you got um, that Asian girl, what you're saying, she's doing snow, like she falls into and she's doing snow angels on the vomit. And I, I just find a lot of her humor really forced. A lot of time, like, cut to her for a comedic line, cut to her, you know what I mean? Yeah. It appears her name is Lily, by the way. Oh, it is. Okay, sure. Um, but, but yeah, lying in the vomit was unnecessary. None of them really react to the smell of the vomit. I, I, that first film, re-watching it, I found quite frustrating. Uh, yeah, just... Uh, um, Elizabeth Banks um, takes the helm of directing this second movie, as you say, and I think for the most part she does a fine job... But the only issue I have with the second movie is that it, it just feels it's heavily weighted down with overlong subplots that stretch out the middle so much. Like, I hated the whole retreat scene where they're bonding together. Uh, I just felt like that was just... just went on forever. And uh, I didn't like the relationship between Fat Amy and Bumper. Like, I did like it, like fragments of it, but it was just so long. Like, the, mm. the scene just went on for ages. And that music production subplot was really interesting. I think mainly because of uh, Keegan-Michael Key from Key... Yeah. Kill, I think he's fantastic. I love yeah, his comedy. Um, I was about to say that's my favourite part of the whole movie. Yeah, he, he was I could have watched a whole movie about a music producer. <laughs> and Dax, his nephew, who he's forced to hire. You know, just that stuff I was, I was finding hilarious. Every, everything of, in my life works. I need this to work. You know, that was great. <laughs> yeah, and just, like, the way, you know he gives becca that validation was all great for her journey you know it seemed so obvious that they were going to team up and one of them's writing songs and one of them's really good at producing yeah put them together like that never seemed to be a question everyone should have seen that coming but (laughs) um the directing was fine i just think that some of the stuff during the musical numbers was off like there was zooms and shots that really took you out of it yeah this is the big difference between elizabeth banks and the director of the first movie jason moore jason moore has more of a background in broadway and he doesn't cut up the choreography a lot of the the famous story is our west side story (laughs) one of the greatest choreographers who ever worked in show business was set to direct west side story and they fired him off within a couple of weeks of production because he was taking so long he's a ridiculous perfectionist so they brought in robert wise to direct it who was the editor of citizen kane went on to direct some great movies such as um star trek the first one he's big hollywood resume but when he came on to west side story the shots he cut off the knees he cuts a bit too much sort of killing the choreography and that will always happen if you bring in a director without that eye for the choreography it's interesting how you notice that dave because i didn't and i read a lot of complaints about that um on the uh, on the reviews i read that they weren't happy with like you know the first one just had that uh broadway stage sort of appeal um, to yeah. it every time they sang you really wow this is amazing and the second one they sort of kill that but i i didn't notice it too much myself hmm. the first film gave us the love story between skylar aston uh he played jesse and uh, anna kendrick who plays becca and there's a bit of a will they won't they about you know they're both acapella nerds and it seems very likely and she falls in love with the movie he loves the breakfast club yeah, that's what's so appealing about it yeah Exactly. There's something at the heart of it where you're rooting for the two of them to get together, you know? You're sort of... Uh, but he... Um, they try to push being... Fat Amy in this one. 
Yeah. yeah. And I wanted to say, Skylar Aston uh, is in a TV series called Ground Floor that he sings in every single episode of, if anyone's interested. And um, they did two seasons of that. Anna Camp appears in that as well. They're dating in real life. And pretty much that made me think he was too busy to really be in this film because he drops her off at the new job and he was inserted into the crowd in that final sequence. They had someone walk in with an American flag over their head to sell the fact that he wasn't there. And then they cut to like a clearly staged shot of him and the uh, magician nerd and they're just standing there cheering every now and then. Like They didn't need to be there. They weren't really there. If they were, then he would have gone and seen Becca backstage before like the same way the magician guy did to like wish her luck that's interesting i didn't feel the loss of his presence much in this in this film but i could see how fans of the first one would be like i really miss that couple i wish they were more central to this film um but yeah i I can perfectly see that yeah yeah i mean he was there for that like they replaced the riff off with that david cross millionaire stuff which i want to talk about in a sec and he was there to sing that lollipop song at the beginning Mm -hmm. of the the movie which i mean i didn't think anyone would clap for to be honest, that was the one I thought was like, what is this? What am I, what am I watching here? Anyway, the, the hate that I've read for Pitch Perfect 2, and I don't know that I can completely agree with it, it's off-brand, but um, Becca being attracted to the female... Uh, leader of DSM. Oh no, that I, th- I think that was that was that was done really well. I thought that um, she's so intimidated by DSM, she misers so much that she can't, you know, um, force any sense of criticism. Everything that comes out is a sense of praise. Like she admires mm. them so much. There is a hint of that there, but I I, I don't agree with that criticism. No, no. <laughs> I kind of saw the emotional heart of the first film was just not there in the second film. You say uh, Bumper and uh, Fat Amy was replacing it, and you're right. The issue I had with that was the way Rebel Wilson... She gets asked by Bumper in that romantic scene. He set up a dinner and everything. And she, she says, you know, I can't be tied down. Like, you know, I can't be tied down with a boyfriend. But she's been at that school for three years. And she doesn't seem to be a world traveler. She's just there doing that one thing she's obviously kidding herself that you know she's a rolling stone and like there's a million things she's going to do with her life and dating bumper would ruin that apparently but for me the revelation at the campfire where she says oh i'll be sitting there with my fiance bumper was really weak yeah so forced and i the way she delivered it as well like i don't mind rebel wilson i think she's funny in lots of movies but i didn't buy her delivery of that and for me, it would have been nice if there was some visual, like Bumper was really into tulips or chocolates or something, and then she saw them and she was like, I've made a big mistake. And you sort of showed the audience rather than her saying, I love Bumper, I need to go to Bumper, and then running, you know? Like, it just didn't sit as well, I suppose. Um, seeing Becca in the first film cry at the Breakfast Club and then incorporating the song from the Breakfast Club into the final thing. That was a good thing, payoff exactly you're like he knows it's about him yeah she's singing it at him there was the bit in the second film where fat amy's singing the song we belong to you know each other uh i can't think what it is but the one she serenades him with Mm -hmm. uh with that paddling you know and it's less effective than the first film uh i had an okay sized crowd in the cinema i saw this in 
but i gotta say rebel rebel wilson has a spell over audiences here in australia everything she said had people laughing uh i think rebel wilson has a lot of talent but she's all, only allowing herself to throw one punch in this entire movie and that is jokes about her weight i i think the movie could have matured a bit past the toilet and weight humor but in saying that it seemed to have worked um with audiences so like the reaction of the crowd that i in the cinema i had like that they just ran with it so yeah, yeah. As well, there's the super misogynistic guy sitting next to Elizabeth Banks. <laughs> John Michael Higgins. Uh, I think he they're really fun. I, I usually think the cynical uh, commentator is never going to work because it's been done so many times, like in Dodgeball, Major League is the best example. But I laughed at almost everything they said in both the movies and the audiences was a bit laughing, you know, a bit off. I think his comedy was a bit fast, maybe went over the heads or maybe it was just too... Um, you know to the bone with some of them uh, and I, that's understandable but yeah you're right he's very misogynistic when fat amy is rowing over to bumper in that sequence and she has her solo and she gets stopped by the car you remember how the like there's all these people sitting around with him on the lawn yeah and they're all acapella acapella boys like why wouldn't they chime in with harmonies i felt like it was a real wasted opportunity to not have them support it. like yeah in the background supporting it and then they could have been grossed out by the kissing and left like after that but just having them all standing around like that just staring i was like what are they doing like <laughs> he enlisted them to row up like when he was asking her out and they could have been returning the favor like they could have been like this is our moment you know whatever i was just like mm, <laughs> what are they all doing they're just sitting around it made it really awkward uh you know just <laughs> i suppose that's yeah i, I my favorite part in um pitch perfect 2 uh was when they go to see they have all the confrontations with das sound machine but particularly when they perform at the number one acapella fan world's mansion you know that guy the david cross david yeah. cross when they go to his mansion and then they have that big battle so it kind of reminded me of anchorman um how all the teams face off uh, that was my favorite scene of the movie and uh, i just i just love that whole uh, uh confrontation with um das sound machine and the celebration i think the the german guy played it uh, d did a really terrific job in this movie i um i had some issues with that whole david cross sequence oh, did <laughs> like that felt to me like the part of the movie that was stretching it out besides the band stuff the middle was all a bit of nothing uh, for example if you got a random invitation without knowing there was a forty two thousand dollar gift card as a prize would you turn up <laughs> you know it's, it, could, it could have been an eyes wide shut party, so I probably would have. <laughs> could have been anything. Is that a password? Yeah. Um, when when uh, he goes, you know, you're running a bit late, blah, 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 and then he stands in front of that curtain and then they open the curtain and the sound sort of pours past, I would have loved for Fat Amy or somebody to say, is that a soundproof curtain? Like, you know, just the movie needed to be more self-aware. I was... Um, if I'm pointing things out, they should be pointing things out, like um, that black block-out sound curtain. Once the battle actually started, it was really terrific. I just love, again, that the, the music and how they remix it and everything like that. It was just really good how one would start, one would fade, one would, you know, it was really cool. And the, the yeah. comedy, I think they're NFL players. Yeah, they oh, are. Okay, they're the NFL. Green Bay Packers, yeah. <laughs> and he comes out, oh, I got nothing, guys. <laughs> yeah, that was like a nice cameo. I thought there could have been more celebrity cameos. I, um... 
I really wanted to see, uh, like at the World Acapella Tournament, a host. Because there seemed to be no rules. People just went on and off stage and the Bellas stayed on the stage forever at the end. Like David Hasselhoff, because they mentioned yeah, him, they, they mentioned name-check him. The best singer out of, uh, coming out of Germany. Yeah, and even Eurovision as hosts, which is kind of what this is modelled on. Yeah, I was thinking like a host would have been great. Just any celebrity cameo could have fit in there. But yeah, the David Cross stuff, ultimately the best thing about Pitch Perfect 2 really is the music. I mean, um, that's what they've sort of nailed here. I like mashups, you know, um, so I really appreciated that. Uh, and I film. really liked the ending. It was really nice how they brought in all the... Um, Bellas of the past and all coming in for that so it was really it's just a really nice uplifting little moment there but yeah you're right i would have probably preferred that they had lost um to the to the germans but they did win the hearts of everyone that 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 would have been really nice but it, it was a good moment at the end they sort of had too many characters i thought when um they were all saying what they're going to go off and do next year, if you will. The lesbian says she's going to Maine to get married. Like, she just kind of yells that out. I'm going to Maine to get married and you're all invited. They cut a subplot where she was in love with somebody because <laughs> she was grabbing the other girl's boob like a minute before. Yeah, that's that's around the fire, isn't it, that sequence? Yeah. yeah it's a, it, they tried to squeeze in a coming-of-age moment for all of them because, let's face it, they're all in their 30s. It's so obvious watching the movie you can't hide around that and they they have to face the fact that they are graduating and where they're all headed but did we really need to know all that like it's such an unbelievable world already and then you're trying to jam this sort of reality or coming of age moment it just yeah it does stretch it out yeah as well we didn't get to hear from everybody like the slutty girl didn't say anything that she was going to be doing and if they hadn't recruited Haley Steinfeld uh, who I think is one of the best things about the movie, the new girl. Yep. Um, if they hadn't recruited her, then there would be no Bellas next year. Yeah. I suppose, like, that would be that. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky they did. Lucky she turned up. Yeah, she, uh, Haley Steinfeld, she was in uh, True Grit, I believe. But Why would you ever what- want to leave that world if you lived in that fraternity and that was your world? Isn't it the best place, like, ever? Like, you never want to leave it. I, the re- real world is awful. You have to get a real job and be a nobody. In that place, yeah, they're poor, but they live like kings and queens, you know? I suppose so. They, they weren't exactly the most popular kids on campus. Like, there wasn't like they were praised everywhere they walked. I thought there could have been a bit more hate for Fat Amy at the beginning after she's, you know, flashed the president. That didn't seem to happen. They got some letters and stuff. Uh, but everyone on campus seemed to have just forgotten about it, even though it was on every news channel. There's nothing going on on campus. I suppose the real lives have to start. But for me, the the redheaded girl, Brittany Snow, the one who had her nodes removed in the first film and who was afraid to graduate in the second film, I feel like she could have used a romantic subplot more so than Bumper and Fat Amy. Sort of felt like she should have been rewarded with something because in the first film, like she was like second lead almost. You know, um, and Anna didn't Camp she have a was, guy with her in the shower? Yeah, and she yeah. said, I'm really confident about my body. And then Anna Kendrick, who wasn't into chicks then, said, you should be. Yeah, pretty much. I felt like there was nothing for her in this film besides being afraid to graduate. So like uh, Brittany Snow, I figured she could have used a bit bigger subplot, basically. Um, I felt a bit disappointed by what she had to work with. And it's, you know, it's nice that all the original people came back. And for a little while, I thought Anna Camp didn't come back. But, you know, it's it's a... a 
big tick for the franchise when everyone agrees to come back, doesn't it? Doesn't it, like, sell better? You know? Oh, absolutely. You want to see as much of that original cast coming over into the second one because there's people you were rooting for and everything like that. There's a, That might be your favourite character. Were there any ones that didn't make it um, into the second one? There was that guy with glasses. Um, yeah, the, um, the wrapped, I think Indian guy, um, I think. Yeah. He was like bumpers off cider in the, in the first group. Yeah, he was cool. But, yeah, we just can assume he graduated. Um, some people wanted that DJ, the radio station guy on campus. Oh, yeah, to come back. yeah. The, handsome, the handsome dude, yeah. Handsome dude, yeah. That's why they wanted him back. But like, he's he's an older student. Why wouldn't he have graduated three three years later? I mean, that would have been like a he's a sloppy dude. Well, it would have been cool to know. see him working in the radio where that um, producer was, just in the background there or something. Oh yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, there's an opportunity there. Snoop Dogg was really funny. In yeah, that. he was great. Just being Snoop Dogg. Yeah, I just wanted to rattle off some things about this movie that you know just didn't tick boxes for me. When you have a scene where a car is driving from left to right of frame and you have a voiceover saying some exposition, that's a bad sign for me. <laughs> example. That, an example? Yeah. Uh, well, in this movie, Pitch Perfect 2, they had the car going past that said the Bellas, Barton Bellas or whatever on it, and the car's sort of driving past really slowly and the voiceover's like, remember, we're just going to this competition to do this or this or whatever, you know, like exposition oh yeah and elizabeth banks had some heavy exposition to get through but then she joked and goes sorry i feel like i'm always on yeah. you know, whatever. i would have loved for one of them to say does anyone even listen to this podcast <laughs> and then one of them to say oh you know three people in china have actually been down <laughs> or whatever you know they could have by the way we did on. see one reverse shot of their laptop and i th- i'm positive they were using garage band which is weird they, they were using the latest garage band which um for users of apple uh, should know that they've taken away the podcast aspect of the latest garage band which is really annoying just a little tip oh, that's there. funny <laughs> yeah nice <laughs> look i suppose the acapella comp itself i had some issues with but like i would have loved to have for it to have been more self-aware i suppose it weren't i wanted it to be more like anchorman 2 you know if, for example, one of them was joking about how they got all the costumes and effects for every performance. Yeah. You know, like if one person was like, yeah, I guess I could sew 16 outfits by tomorrow <laughs> or something. I mean, I don't know why they had that sequence with all the fire coming down, you know, where they're trying to be like Cirque du Soleil and all sexy and stuff. In that sequence, like they shouldn't have been able to afford that costuming and set and whatever. Uh, yeah, that's a and then, million dollar set. Yeah, and then the girl, uh, the lesbian girl's hair goes on fire with the fireworks, which never pays off. It's not like they needed to change her hair or anything for the film. It's just something that happens. It's like when Will Farrell caught on fire as the mascot in uh, old school. <laughs> yeah, just some. Well, I mean, that took him out of the rest of the comp, I suppose. Anyway, or he let the team down at that point. At least it was something to do with the plot. But this was just stuff that happened. Anyway, Haley Steinfeld, I forgot to say, was in Begin Again. And uh, that's a film with Mark Ruffalo and Keira Knightley. And it's another singing movie. And uh, I really, really like that movie. Just recommending it to people. She's really coming along as an actress, Haley Steinfeld. And, you know, at, at the end of this film, they graduate. So if they did a Pitch Perfect 3, the only person they have to bring back is her. Because she's now in charge. Yeah. I can see some spin-offs happening like American Pie. 
Um, you know, they oh, had yeah. Bandcamp and the, the Secret Book, or sorry, I can't remember the name. Uh, Book of Book Love. Book of Love, sorry. Yeah, I can picture Sad them. that I know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did do a whole podcast on American Reunion. Um, That's true. Yeah, so I, I can picture a, a few spin-offs coming uh, off from this, because again, that appetite for Glee is still there, despite Glee finishing, despite American Idol finishing. There is a huge crowd at the, uh, out there who've grown up with musicals, and they want to see these um, films. They want to see the music that they've grown up loving or hearing from the late 90s, the early 2000s, and so forth become a reality in these type of glee worlds you know people singing it because i gotta tell you when the songs came on in the theater it was magical like everyone was mesmerized hearing it all remix hearing oh uh, what song are they going to sing next and what's it going to sound like what what um turn or what flavor they're going to put um into that song and it's really interesting this is the kind of movie that sells soundtracks that's no doubt about yeah. it. yeah and like i said the music is the best part about it but I just think some of the comedy didn't work. I didn't really like it as much. Yeah, a bit forced. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's tougher because the first film was introducing you to all these girls and so you've got to kind of get a sense of all of them and they kind of all have their own thing going if on. If they make then, a third one, I really want to see more of Das Sound Machine. I think they're fantastic. It's such a pity they didn't congratulate the Americans at the end. They just went up to them and go, um, you know, they just had that, oh, you guys are, you guys did really well. And for the Americans to go, yeah, you guys are amazing as well. I'd just like to see that resol- resolution between them. Cause, or respect. Or, or respect between the two. Because, again, like you referenced uh, that uh, critic who didn't like how, the, you know, how um, the, the lead just couldn't come up with a... Uh, a put down she just kept commenting oh your hands are so soft you know uh, to the german girl she admired him so much so much there was no payoff for that really there, uh, there was a line in the trailer that was obviously cut the man from uh, dsm says something and then becca says oh i'm sorry did your accents just get thicker because world war Two, boom or something like that <laughs> and there was probably more of that there was probably more riffing like back and forth to see what works and you know something gets in the trailer but all the funniest stuff unfortunately about pitch perfect 2 was in the trailer yeah uh, yeah you know I, I just waiting for all the scenes they showed you in the trailer that didn't feel like there was anything fresh like if they'd all gone into the principal's office at the beginning of the film and the principal had been mclovin mclovin from the first film and he was like i may be the youngest principal <laughs> for any you know and it just like you know, there was nothing like that that I was like, whoa, that just happened. If David Hasselhoff has ho- had hosted the acapella comps, there's nothing that I didn't sort of predict. That's, you know, actually, I really would have preferred them to lose, which made the ending not work for me as well. And you didn't get that resolution, like you said, with the German team saying, good job, America, yeah. you know next time bring it again they were you know? a great antagonist sorry to keep hyping them up but i thought they were no, that's yeah they're really good antagonists because the antagonist was really interesting in the first one it was the guys you know um but they they liked each other really both sides liked each other but they always put each other down sort of thing and the girls ended up winning um but in a good way you know there was good spirit at the end of that um sort of thing in this one it was the germans were just the full out all out on antagonists you know um i I really wish there was a bit more of what um happened in the first one they'd replicate into the second one with the germans Uh, there's a lot of rumor about pitch perfect three people saying it's going to happen so um look Uh, do you have the figures dave is this a big success the second one i feel like it's going to be it's it's warming up that way i don't have figures but like generally it's being considered like everyone's watching it so 
Oh, someone revving a car in my street. <laughs> oh, party time. Yeah, I just thought I would say, the last thing that annoyed me, at the end they did like a slow clapping to start their final performance. Yeah. And uh, there's no way that it would have generated as much sound as it did. <laughs> I, I was like, well, this is crazy loud. <laughs> like the clapping, you know, to get everyone's attention. <laughs> it frustrated me. And that, that thought like, did enter my mind, but I went with it. Yeah, you've got to really go with it in this film. <laughs> and and look, they're at the world stage of a cappella competition, and yet they wore all the vests and stuff, you know? I feel like they could have had American flags on the back or, like, something to Rep- dress it up a yeah, little bit. Yeah, represent their culture more, yeah. Or something. It was just felt like kind of a low-key thing. All this vision of that was in the uh, trailer as well. People like uh, Entertainment Weekly and... Um, I believe NBC, some people were promoting an exclusive clip for Pitch Perfect 2 and it was them singing Who Run the World, you know, that girl song, yep. which is part of their final performance. So you could have already watched the first half of their final performance online before even getting into the cinema. So there's just too much of this film out there. I know media-wise they saturated the market with it as well. It's a $20 million budget the second time around, right? Yeah. And they spent $4.5 million on a 30-second Super Bowl ad. Which wow. is crazy for a budget this size. Yeah, that, you know? that's a really interesting point. They've just gone, uh, you know, uh, I suppose ad budget on this is really high. They've, you know, their promotion of it. Uh, They've had... Um, as as sorry, far as sequels go, it's not that bad, though. Like, it's, no. it's just not as good as the first one, which most sequels, you know, are. But um, it's not like American Pie 2 bad, I don't think. Hmm. I guess I'm like the music producer in this scenario. I like mashups, but I, I would have preferred to see something original. <laughs> That's a great point. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> All right. Well, we probably talked enough about Pitch Perfect 2. Next time on the podcast, we're going to talk about Michael Mann's film starring Chris Hemsworth. It's called Black Hat, and it's out on DVD in Australia right I now. I can't believe we're going to talk about a Michael Mann film on this podcast. I've been waiting a long time for this. Yeah, we're in the hundreds of episodes here. This is just, yeah, it's been too long. And uh, I know Pitch Perfect 2 is is opening opposite Mad Max Fury Road, and people are probably saying, why haven't you reviewed that instead of Pitch Perfect 2? (laughs) Yeah, people listening. Yeah, yeah. Um, Pod Me If You Can's going to talk about uh, Mad Max, right? And then Pitch Perfect 2 comes up this week. (laughs) Yeah, people are like, wait, that's not the sequel we thought you'd be covering. (laughs) We're going to do Mad Max. We will do it after Black Hat. So we're uh, Australian. We of... understand what where where we have to go with this. All right. All right. So <laughs> chill out. Don't hit us up on Facebook or Twitter. It's here in the podcast. We're going to get to it. But uh, Black Hat will probably be one to check out. Uh, another Aussie in that, Chris Hemsworth, and and it. Well, I don't want to say bombed in the US, but um, it was not well received, which has led to it only being out on DVD here in Australia. So. I know you're excited about it a lot. Oh, I can't wait. i got a lot to get off my chest about that. Just Michael Mann thoughts in general? <laughs> yeah. or? Well, just about that, how it didn't get a cinematic release. And about Michael yeah. Mann, of course, yeah. <laughs> it's all right. It's, it's sitting on top of my computer, and I'll be watching it very soon. <laughs> so we'll get Pitch Perfect 2 out to you, and then Black Hat in close succession, I'm sure. Thanks very much for listening, guys. We'll talk to you next time. Hit it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Thank you for listening. Please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Pod Me If You Can. Movie Reviews.